Well, good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? It's 499-9526. And, of course, you could always stick a 225 on the front of there and reach us from anywhere in the continental United States. That's right. And the farthest caller today will get a free Agco t-shirt mailed USPS Monday morning. Well, now, no, wait a minute. If I, can get, wait a minute. If I can get Elizabeth to go up there and do it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, sir. You just go ahead and give us a call. We always enjoy hearing from our out-of-town listeners. That's right. Sure, you get a different kind of perspective from everywhere in the country. Get a little more knowledge and a little more advice. There you go. Uh, different insights. There you go. <laughs> That's the word I was looking yeah, for. Yeah, we don't see a whole lot of extreme cold down Correct. here. So we get questions on that. In fact, I get a lot of email from folks who... They'll say, well, my heater doesn't work, whatever, and they're looking for ways to solve those kinds of problems. And we do have... People who come in that who doesn't work uh-huh. down here as well because it does get down. Well, it gets cool enough to, yeah. to have the heater running. Yeah, 30, 40 degrees sometimes, and I guess that is pretty cold, but nothing like the brutal cold that a lot of people experience. Oh, exactly. Now, if you're like me, about 50 degrees, I'm looking for heat, right? <laughs> don't know what it is, but here lately, boy. There you go. Hey, just in case you don't want to call in or just don't want to be on the radio, maybe something occurred to you during the week. That's right. You can always visit our website and get your questions answered that way. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. You can take the acronyms Altazan's Garage Company. There's a contact bar on every page. You get you to Lewis you to get your questions answered any time of the day or night, even on vacation. Maybe a little slower coming the next couple <laughs> of weeks, but you will get an answer. Well, and today is our last live show of the year. It's not our last show of the year because I've got two pre-recorded shows that are coming up. That uh, A lot of great information on. Yeah, these are programs that had heretofore been lost, and we right. recovered them. There were some shows, people who have been listening to the Automotive Hour for 22 years realize it's been going on quite a while but for many 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 years no one thought to record it so uh-huh. those are obviously just lost forever however harvey when he and i were doing the show together did record several shows and those were misplaced for a number of years and he did come back across them so we've got those now and generally when we are on vacation or something we'll run one of those so it's kind of interesting right it's basically the same information but a lot different perspective from time period that's right four or five years ago that's right um, Hey, we're going to go to our phone lines. We've got Glenn. Good morning, Glenn. Hey, Lewis. Hey, Brian. Good morning. How are you? Doing great, sir. We're doing great. <laughs> good, good. Hey, I, was, I called you last week and kind of wanted to follow back with you. And okay. You had given me a direction on a way to go with uh, Alexis. I had that. I don't know. You probably don't remember it. But anyway, I had a misfire on a couple of cylinders on yes, one sir. bank. Uh-huh. Anyhow, you know, I just wanted to give you a call and let you know you were wrong. Okay. <laughs> you, you, y'all are guys. Y'all ain't never heard that before, have you? Not too often, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I was, but I wanted to give you a follow up because, um, you know, everybody likes a tip. You know, keeping from uh, waste time running down the, you know, chasing the rabbit mm-hmm. down the whole wrong hole. I went back. You, you had given me the, the advice to go ahead and uh, check the compression on that on those yes, uh, mm-hmm. cylinders and everything, mm-hmm. and that took me back to don't get away from the fundamentals. And so when I was up there, you know, pulled everything out, mm-hmm. I double-checked the timing on it, and that camshaft was one tooth off. So, so somebody had been into it already? Changed the yeah, belt on it? Yeah, that was exactly it. You know, I had all okay. the new ignition parts and everything on there, yes, and, you know, like I said, right. I was my tail mm-hmm. uh, because I had come into this. Okay, 
think about what we said before, though. If you had done the compression test before you changed all those parts, it should have showed low compression on one bank of the engine and normal compression on the other if it was off one thing, which would have brought you right straight back to the cam being out of time. So not only would that have been much, much faster, but it would have saved you from having to change all those other parts that you changed before you did that. So testing the compression was the right advice. You just did it a little bit out of phase. You went in and changed a bunch of parts before you did it. But that should have pointed you right to it when you saw low compression on one bank and normal compression on the other bank. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't blame you, no. I, I, yeah. just, I just wanted to... No, I'm just saying, no, when, that's whenever great. you get your car fixed, that's a real good advice, and, and other listeners can gain from that. What you have to do is give them symptoms and not you think it is. So if you say, you know, I've got misfires on three cylinders and it started after the timing belt was changed, somebody's going to find that in about five minutes. Yeah, well, this got the car from these people, mm-hmm. so I didn't have the uh, yeah, yeah. right as well. Yeah, right. Well, that's good. Y'all know how it is. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, yeah. I, you know, we get I, that quite frequently where the timing belt is off, and unfortunately, a lot of times, what that will actually do is it'll result in like an oxygen sensor code or something because one sensor is way rich and one's way lean. And people will go in there and start changing oxygen sensors and all that, and the problem is actually timing belt being off. Right, and you know, I I used I used to wrench back. I I've been a, a firefighter for about ten years now, mm-hmm. so I, I I used to wrench, and and that was what told you I come across your show on Stitcher. Right, and, uh, and it's very very informative. And like I said, you know, I I haven't been, really been keeping up with you know most of the electronics and stuff mm-hmm. that's been going on. And been added to it. It's, it's kind of. It can really throw. Glad it. I'm not doing too much. <laughs> well, I tell you what, it is changed. It, it it's changing every day. Throw you, man. But and you know, I, I really do. I like the way that you you go about your philosophy of doing the lowest cost, and mm-hmm. the way you go about diagnosing and explaining the way you diagnose, because it's letting people know exactly how difficult that field is. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you basically you're sitting there next to a doctor, and he's like. Well, I've got 12 years of school, and you're like, uh-huh. well, you know, I could learn your job quick. <laughs> I could learn my job. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know, but, All right, Glenn. Well, I sure appreciate you calling, man. I think we dropped him. I'm sorry. And we're going back to our phone lines with Bobby. Good morning, Bobby. Hey, look, I've got a 2003 Ford Explorer Port Track. It's got okay. a 4.0 uh, liter engine in it. All right, sir. I actually had a Mazda B4000, had the very same engine. Exactly. That's right. Never had a problem with it. I, believe it or not, I only got 70,000 miles on this 2003. I bought it used. Uh-huh. They told me it hadn't been wrecked, but I'm pretty sure it has been. I've had my brother-in-law's a body man. He said, uh-huh. oh, yeah, this plane's been wrecked. Okay. But anyway, I've got an intermittent problem. This has happened to me three times in a year. Mm-hmm. Driving the car around, you got to make several stops. Somewhere after a couple of hours, you go to start it, and it, it just kind of acts like it wants to start, and then it sputters out, and then it won't restart. Now, I, What does it the, do, Bobby, when it, you say it doesn't start? Does it crank look, over normal speed right, and it won't start? It, it, it cranks over, and it gets a real rough start, like, a, like it's trying to get going, and then it just dies out. Like it's lacking gas or lacking, mm-hmm. it's lacking something to make yes, everything. Yes, I understand. So, Bobby, the first thing you need to do before you do anything else is to put a fuel pressure gauge on it and see what the fuel pressure is doing while this is occurring. And you're probably going to have to put a gauge on, rig it up on the outside of the vehicle because you can't have gas running in the car, would you, obviously, and tape it to the outside of the windshield. You'll go drive it for a couple hours, see what the fuel pressure is doing when this occurs. Because when you say it feels like it's not getting gas. It's three times in a year, though. Yeah, that's that's going to be very difficult to find. Okay, I guess that was my next Mm follow-up question. Is there any way that I could bring it to you guys and y'all can take it and try to duplicate it? No, sir. No, you're wasting your time. 
Okay. You're really wasting your time taking it anywhere. Yeah, you are. Three times yeah. in a year is not enough. Yeah, nobody's going to find right. that unless they just get unless incredibly it, yeah. lucky. But what you could do is buy a fuel pressure gauge, a low-cost fuel pressure gauge, rig it up, tape it to the outside of your windshield, go drive it around. Once it occurs, watch the fuel pressure. Now, if the fuel pressure is good while this occurs, then you can forget the entire fuel system. So instead of changing parts and hoping to fix okay. something, if the fuel pressure drops off, well, you know right where to start looking. You see, that, so that's, that's going to eliminate yeah, 50% of the possibilities right off the bat with one simple test. Okay. But you're going to have to just put it in the hours right. or just wait until it gets more prevalent where it's doing it a little yeah. more often. I will follow up with just a little, one more little piece of information. Mm -hmm. This last time it happened, I've just let it cool off uh -huh. 45 minutes. Started. Yeah, and again, that sounds kind of like a fuel pump, but I sure wouldn't go change a fuel no. pump on a maybe, you know. Okay, it could be a fuel pump. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, they'll get hot, they'll do right. that, and they'll cool off, okay. they'll quit doing it. But, I mean, it could be so many other things. It could be a camp yeah. sensor, crank sensor, on and on and on and on. Without some more information, and the way you're going to get that, like I said, go get your little cheap fuel pressure gauge, hook to it on the outside of the car, drive it around. Sooner or later, it's going to happen again. When it does, be ready. And when you see that, you've eliminated half of the possibilities. You know, now, if you knew for sure it was a fuel pressure problem, then the possibilities are pretty small, and you could probably start taking stuff apart and find something. Or if you knew for sure it was not a fuel pressure problem, same thing. Then you could start yeah. tearing into the ignition and all that. But to just go in there and start changing stuff right now, man, you're going to spend a whole lot of money before you ever do any good. On a maybe. I didn't uh, want to do that. Yeah, I didn't want to do no, that. No, absolutely not. And believe it or not, the first time it happened, I was right next door to my normal mechanic. Uh -huh. He came over and immediately put a machine on it. You yeah. Know, All right, what's wrong? It didn't show anything. Yeah, yeah it well, may not. Again, it's not going to show a right. pressure problem, especially if it's not occurring. And, again, it won't show necessarily an ignition problem of any kind unless it's occurring. So if there's any codes or anything – Sometimes that can give you some guidance. Like, for instance, if it intermittently sets like an oxygen sensor code or an airflow meter code, then that tells me that maybe that pump is going out because it's leaning out, and that's why it's setting those codes. So watch and see if you get a check engine light if you do get that code. But whatever you do, don't take that code literally. Right. Because and if fuel pressure starts to drop, it sets other codes. It sets lean codes. It sets oxygen right. sensor codes. It sets mass airflow sensor codes and such as that. And see, even if the ignition drops out, or let's say it runs out of fuel and it dies, it's going to set a crank sensor code because the engine, the switch is on and the engine's not running, so it's going to set that code, but it doesn't mean the sensor's bad. It and just it means the engine died. When it sets that code, it's also going to store freeze frame information right. that the technician needs to find out what's yep. going on at that time. Okay. So if you clear the codes out, then you've lost everything, and you have to wait for the problem to reoccur. Right. So, All right, guys. I appreciate alrighty. it. All All right, sir. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I, we'd love to have you. And we're going back to our phone line with Greg. Good morning, Greg. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. I uh, just wanted to get y'all's input on something. Recently, I uh, took my vehicle to get a front-end alignment mm -hmm. at what I consider. Yeah, don't use any names on the Oh, I'm not going to give their name, but probably is known as the best guy in town, has been for over 30 years. Okay. And I had just replaced two front tires. Mm -hmm. The back tires were probably six months old, so they didn't need replacing. Uh -huh. It was a, a car that I purchased. And when I went in, I told the fella, I want you to, before you align it, move the back to the front so the, the brand-new tires are on the back. Okay. And his response was, and this is a front-wheel drive vehicle. Mm -hmm. He said, well, why would you want to do that? I said, well, it's because I've always heard that, That's right. you know, when you do that, when you get a front end alignment, that's what you need to do. You need to put the, you know, have your best tires on the back since that's correct. Um, they wear less. 
That's right. And he just thought it was the funniest thing ever. Well. <laughs> and he said he hears that all the time, and yeah. he says, well, why? I said, well, because that's what I've been told. He no, said, well, you're right. That doesn't make any sense. That makes no sense No, you're whatsoever. exactly right, Greg. That is, you are supposed to have the best tires on the rear of the car, and that flies in the face of conventional wisdom or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if you go on my website, go down there to Michelin Tires, and there's actually a video that Michelin put together with two cars one with new tires on the back, one with new tires on the front. And they take them both around a test track with professional drivers and see which one spins out first. Because mm-hmm. you can control the front with the steering wheel. You cannot control the back. And when you lose traction in the rear, you're going to lose control of the car. Mm-hmm. So you always want your better tires on the rear of the car. And if you put new tires, the new ones go on the rear. Hey, and I'm sorry, we're up against the brake. If you want to hold on, I'll talk to you a little more after the break. Be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. On Route 66. Mike Rohn here with Baton Rouge's newest talk show, My Oh Mayan. Dedicated to helping people who thought the world would end December 21st, 2012. Caller, you're on the air. Mike, I'm up the creek. So, what did you do? I maxed out all my credit cards, sold my stocks, my house, and my boat so I could travel the world before the world ended kept my 85 Mustang, though. Well, one thing I can recommend is to take your car in for regular maintenance at Agco Automotive. By taking care of your car, you'll save money in the long run by not having to pay for huge repairs. And with the money you save, you can pay down some of that debt. If you want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There's one other big problem. I sold all my vital organs on a website in Uzbekistan, and now someone named Aziz keeps showing up on my caller ID. Well, hmm. Lay low, brother. Lay low. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us the Automotive Hour, I'm your host, Lewis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 499-9526. And we're going line with Roy. Good morning, Roy. Good morning. Yes, sir. I got 95 Buick Century. Uh-huh. Had to change the uh, muffler and exhaust pipe. And when they had it on the rack, the right strut, whatever they call that, shock absorber, yes, sir. Uh-huh. was leaking. Okay. Is that a, is the strut and the shock absorber the same thing? They're not the same thing, Roy, but for all practical purposes, you could call them the same thing. I mean, technically, there are some differences, but it's not going to make any difference to you. Is it hurting anything to drive it like that? It just depends, Roy. A lot of people will look at a shock, and they will see some oil around the shaft of the shock, and they'll say, oh, it's leaking. And, yes, it is technically leaking, but, no, that does not hurt anything. If the oil has run all the way down the housing and it's starting to drip on the ground, then, yes, it is bad and needs to be changed. So it depends on the degree and the extent. And a lot of times people get real eager trying to sell shock absorbers. They really push stuff that doesn't need to be sold. If you go to my website and go to the search bar and type in shock or strut or something like that, there's an article like how do I know when I need shocks, and there's pictures and things like that on there that will show you the difference between a shock that has to be changed and one that doesn't need to be changed. The other option is if it is bouncing around excessively or if it's knocking or banging or making noise, then you might want to change it for those reasons. But other than those things, if there's no symptoms and it's not really 
completely wet, it's just a little damp around the shaft, that is not a problem. It's not within the coil suspension spring. It looks like it wouldn't be too hard to get to. Yeah, a lot of them aren't. They're pretty easy to change, and most of those are not really all that expensive. Does it have air suspension, do you know? So If it's got an air shock, those are pretty pricey, but if it's not air shock, those are fairly inexpensive. The, if the car is not leaning or anything. Well, or it won't bounce. lean. Shock can't make it lean, but if it bounces, uh, you know, as long as it's not bouncing and it's not dripping off, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Right. Okay. All righty. Thank you very much. Okay, Roy. All right, sir. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hire, we're going to go back to Greg. Sorry, Greg, we didn't come back to you after yeah. the break. <laughs> That's okay. I'm used to it. Huh? Um, kind of an extension of what my question was. All things being equal, front end aligned, per- front end perfectly aligned, so on and so forth, mm-hmm. proper air pressure in your tires. On a front-wheel drive, do the front tires wear faster than the back? It just depends, Greg. If I had to just give you a yes or no answer, I would say no. But technically, they are doing more work because they are pulling the car down the road. They are also steering. So they could wear a bit faster. But if everything is equal, it's going to be pretty negligible, the difference. Okay. Sounds good. All righty. Appreciate the help. Thanks, Greg. Bye-bye. 499-9526. Number if you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got Donna on the line. Good morning, Donna. Good morning. Good morning. I have a 2000 Infiniti I-30. Okay. And just about a month ago, it started missing real bad and shaking real bad. And it would do okay if you would put it in neutral. Okay. And so we took it in to our mechanic that we used, and they changed all the plugs. Okay. That's pretty common on that one. And Mm -hmm. And, um, about a week and a half afterwards, it started doing the same thing again, but not as bad. Okay. And you got to watch, Donna. When you say it's doing the same thing again, people do that all the time, and it's missing again, but that doesn't mean it's the same thing. Okay. Because there are literally hundreds of things that can make that car misfire. Okay. I can tell you for absolutely sure that engine has a real history of call failure. So okay. I doubt that he really did anything wrong or bad when he changed the calls because that is very, very common on that vehicle. And uh-huh. if it fixed the problem for a week and a half, chances are that was that problem. Now, that doesn't mean that something else hasn't occurred. For instance, when a coil goes bad, it can foul out the spark plug, which is the part that is firing. Right. And if you change the calls, it is possible that two weeks later one of the plugs may have failed. Now, it's also possible, of course, that one of the new calls may have gone bad because new doesn't mean it's necessarily good. It just means it's supposed to be good. But defective products do occur. It is possible that maybe a wire came loose or something. So what I would do, Donna, is just go right back to him and just say, look, it's missing again. Could you check it for me and see what it is? But I wouldn't automatically assume he's done something wrong because if it fixed it for a week and a half, chances are that was that problem. Yeah. And it may be related to it. It may not. We always say linear progression does not connote causality. (laughs) I'm I'm really not saying that he didn't do a good job. Right. Well, I can tell you a tip just from a shop owner's perspective. One of the things that always puts you in a frame of mind when they come in, it's doing the same exact thing again. It just really, because most of the time it's not. It's doing something different. Right. what I would just say is, hey, I'm having another problem. Check it for me. And, I mean, if the guy's any kind of decent guy, he's going up to it anyway if it's his problem. Right. And right. if it's not, not any worse off, you don't have to apologize to anybody. But right. I understand. Chances are if it fixed it for a week and a half, I can tell you that car, that is a very common problem with the coils. Uh-huh. That's the same engine as a Maxima, and the Maxima has the same problem. Right. They do fail. And 
I doubt all six of them were bad, but I do think he was prudent to change all six because most time you go and you change one or two, and then a month later another one goes bad, and, you, and you're going to end up changing them all anyway. Right. And particularly if it was one of the back calls, I would have changed those anyway because they're hard to get to. Right. And you know, it's an older car, and you do hate putting out so much money on well, it. Well, sure. But, you know, it's going to still be a whole lot cheaper than another car or anything else. Right. It's, it's one of them deals where nobody's going to ride for free. Things do happen. And chances are you get this fixed, and it'll be fixed for a long, long time. But I just go back and have him take another look. It may yeah. be related to something that he did, but it may not. So I wouldn't yeah. assume that it is. Okay. All right. All right. Well, thank you for your time. Okay, Nana, thanks for calling. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Hi, right, 499-9526. Number, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we're going to take one more quick little break and be right back with more. Mike Rohn here with Baton Rouge's newest talk show, My Oh Mayan, dedicated to helping people who thought the world would end December 21st, 2012. Caller, you're on the air. Mike, I really thought the world was going to end. So what did you do? You see, Mike, I quit work and streaked through the cafeteria. I maxed out my credit cards, my grass is waist high, and I can't find my dog. I think the line I bought might have eaten him. And my car won't run. Hmm. Well, first, take your car into Agco Automotive so it'll get fixed right the first time. Then, take it in for regular maintenance to save money in the long run by keeping your car in good shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. If you want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Well, Mike, there is one more thing. My neighbor DVRs C-SPAN, and I promised I'd spend Sunday afternoons watching it with him. Now... I wish the world really would end. Sorry, uh, can't help you there, buddy. Hey, welcome back. If you join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alton, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call? It's 499-9526. Got all our lines wide open, so we'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. That being the last live show of the year, so That's now's right. the time to get your questions answered. Well, if you're, absolutely. Uh, if you want a live answer. <laughs> and just in case you don't get a chance to call in or something occurred to you in a week, you can always go to the website. That's right. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Right. Contact bar on every page. You can just fill out the form, which we have an autofill now. If you filled it out once before, it will actually save it to your machine. That's right. Save a cookie to your machine. So you won't have to fill that information out if you want to send another one. That's right. All you just go in, it's going to already be filled out. So you just hit the button and it'll send. Or you can type over it and put something right. different in there. If it's a different car this time. Or using an alias <laughs> you can do that as well <laughs> just keep things interesting lots and lots of good information on that site while you're on there I put an article on this morning under the detailed uh, topics on detailed topics uh-huh. on ball joint studs and attachment methods and this basically talks a lot about ball joints and tie rods but it's pretty true of all suspension attachment methods where for years and years we've used a taper lock, and this tells you how a taper lock works, why they use that, because there are reasons why they use that type of a fitting. It has a number of advantages to it, one being it provides a very, very strong joint, which spreads the stress very evenly among all the components. It also prevents corrosion getting in because it's basically a watertight joint. Uh-huh. So they've used it for years and years, and Ford recently has come up with a non-taper lock joint. Right. That if you're not careful and you don't know what you're working with, you could get yourself into some serious trouble because we've seen some of these vehicles where wheels have fallen off, where people have gone in, taken it apart, 
not realizing this is no longer a taper lock type fitting and the nuts that hold these things together are a one-time deal. Right. They also have a wedge-type washer on each side of it. Right, them to center it. To center it and hold it in place. Right, but those nuts have to be replaced. They are torque yield-type fitting, so every time you use them, you're supposed to replace them. Not replacing them could result in the wheel falling off the car. Correct. So, they could back off or break or lose their, ten- lose their torque. That's right, and if you are not really... I guess trained to do this, you may look at it and not realize this is any different from anything you've always worked on. And a lot of your parts will actually come with new hardware. Mm-hmm. The Ford is different. Mostly everything we've gotten in has come with new hardware well, on it. I guess they're trying to ensure that people will use it. Well, they're, they're giving it to you, telling you in instructions. Use these parts, throw the old ones away. Right. And but, some people do, some people don't. Well, one thing that happens is because fitting doesn't lock into the knuckle, when you start to turn a new nut on there, because the nut is a lock nut, it starts to rotate the entire shaft. Exactly. And so it requires a different procedure to hold that shaft tight. And what people do, since they can't figure out how to get that to hold, they just put the old nut on because it runs right on because it doesn't have the locking mechanism anymore because it's worn out. Exactly. And extremely dangerous situation. I kind of question Ford's wisdom in changing something like this. Uh-huh. I don't see any advantage to it, but they are notorious for just changing things just to change them. Oh, yeah. Look at the hey, look lug nuts. Look at the lug nuts on the Ford trucks now. Well, the Ford trucks where they had the cone-headed the- shaped nuts have been used for 100 years never had a problem. They decided to go to a flat face nut. Right. And, of course, all the wheels start falling off the trucks. Had to recall them. Tearing all the wheels up yeah. and, the, and the nuts and everything else. I'm all for improvement and innovation. If you got something better or cheaper or right. something that works better, that's great. But to change stuff just to change it. Well, cheaper and works better. That, that don't even go hand in hand. <laughs> A lot of times that is a contradiction in terms. Yes, it is. But you might want to read this article, kind of prepare yourself, just in case you ever want to do any work on that. Uh-huh. Or even if you're having work done on it, just to kind of follow up with the people who are doing the work, make sure you don't have a problem. Right. You'll be a little, probably be a little more knowledge than they will. <laughs> you may very well be. <laughs> but just sort of a different sort of a connection method. So I thought an article was in order here. So uh-huh. uh, put that out. Got some pictures. It shows you how it all works. So. Something you might enjoy doing. Pop on there, see what you think. www.agcoauto.com. I think you really like it. When you start talking about things that are different, there are so many things that change, and sometimes they are an improvement. For instance, when we change from carburetors to fuel injection, uh-huh. I think there are virtually no people in the automotive business who wouldn't agree that, that was a big improvement. Oh, it was. It's it runs better. It gets better fuel mileage. The engines last longer. I mean, on almost every account, the drivability is way better. Than it was with a carburetor. Ultimately, they cost less than carburetors did. In the long run, They cost they a lot do. less because the production cost of fuel injectors has come way, way down as they produce more and more, whereas the production cost for a carburetor would have continued to increase because there's a lot of machine work and casting and stuff like that that would uh-huh. have been involved in continuing to build them. So the cost of carburetors would have continued to rise, whereas the cost of fuel injectors have continued to fall and the cars run better. Now you reach over, you hit the switch, boom, it starts. You don't have to pump the gas and all that kind of you stuff. You don't have to wait for the choke to cut off and right. the engine to warm so up. So that is a big improvement. But I got to say, more and more and more what we see is just change for change's sake, and it's not better. It's right. actually worse in many cases. We see it every day. Yeah, it, it really is. You really kind of shake your head, and you're like, really, guys? Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Y'all come up with this? <laughs> Where did this come from? And I don't know if it's someone trying to justify their job. They're making six figures a year designing stuff, so they yeah. got to keep designing stuff. But yeah, It's, it's kind of like, hold my beer and watch this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> watch what we can do. Watch what we can do here. <laughs> Let's go to our phone lines with Bobby. Good morning, Bobby. 
Yeah, good morning, guys. Good morning, doing, sir. I think sometimes those engineers have an office pool and say, okay, now we got something that works. Let's see what we can do with it. Yeah, let's see if we yeah. change this. And then maybe we can save a, a one cent. And down the road, it'll cost the customer 10 or 15 cents, but we don't care. That's right. Because we make a million. Like I said, they're paying them six figures to do that. First thing I want to say is Merry Christmas to you guys. Well, I really you. enjoyed the show this year. and. You and Brian make me laugh on Saturday and bring some information to a bunch of knuckleheads out here. We don't know what we're doing. We're, we're lucky the car goes in the right direction when we point, Lewis. There you go. <laughs> One thing about it, on this, adding water to a battery, Lewis, does uh-huh. that have to be distilled, or can you use Baton Rouge water? Uh, definitely distilled water, Bobby. Okay. Now, most batteries today, you can't hardly get into them to do it. Even You're not kidding. Right, yeah, they're, they're all maintenance-free. Yeah, everything's maintenance-free. But if you do have to add some water, always distilled Simply because city water is going to have things. It's going to have chlorine in it. It's going to have fluoride in it. It's going to have different things in it that you don't want inside of a battery. Okay. Yeah, like I said, the one I got is it's hard enough to get it open. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, and I know it's, it's it's not it's not meant to be baiting. It's free, and you put water on. As long as the plates are covered, that's fine, right? That's correct. Uh, you don't want too much more than that because it will boil out, and it forms acid on top of your battery and runs down and makes a mess. But you want to cover the plates completely. Maybe yeah. it's a little bit over, maybe an eighth inch or a quarter inch more. But well, I think I said I got that now, and I do have a little splash up to the top. And some things I can do those I can overcare for stuff and make it go bad quick. <laughs> so, you know, fill it up and do the top. And that's yeah. why I never do plumbing work. I can take on a fifty-dollar job and make it a three hundred-dollar job <laughs> in about thirty minutes. So. Yeah, ain't that the truth? Anyway, anyway, you guys have a great day right, and Bobby. keep up the great work. Yes, sir. Hey, thanks Thank for you. calling, man. Bye, bye. Bye. Four nine 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 five two six is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive eye, we would love to have you. Go ahead and give us a call. And Bobby hit a good point. And you can actually cause yourself some problems maintaining things if you're not aware of the way things are nowadays, the way things have changed. And all there are many things you can do yourself. Right. And it is very, very good to do that. One thing I've always advocated to people is to change their own oil. Because sure. that not only does it give you an opportunity to look under the hood, kind of get an understanding of what's going on, but you're controlling the quality of that oil change, which is a big, big deal because, well, let me back up. I'm not going to say most, but a lot of shops and dealerships, you go to a dealership and you think you're getting trained ASE certified techs working on the car, but when they come to oil changes, most of them form that out to a separate sort of an operation. Right. And a lot of times what they've got is low skilled, just like you get an oil change place. Because they figure, well, anybody can change all. Well, yeah, yeah yes and no. Except when they strip the drain plug or leave the filter loose or put the wrong oil in it or on and on and on, all the other hundreds of things that can go wrong. So it's not that difficult a job. And if you prepare yourself for it, I've actually got an article on the website, How to Change Your Own Oil, and it goes into a lot of these kind of topics and things to look into. One of the first things you want to do is get a set of ramps where you can drive the car up on it, get it off the ground easily so you don't have to jack it up every time. Uh-huh. Another thing that you want to do is go ahead and invest in an inexpensive torque wrench. Sure. And find the torque spec for that drain plug and take your big crayon of some sort and write it on the bottom of your oil pan. If you so notice, you don't have to look it up every time. Right. If you notice, when you go to Agco, if you ever climb under an Agco car, mm-hmm. you can look on the oil pan or somewhere under the vehicle. Mm-hmm. And that torque spec will be wrote down. Yeah, we always write it on the pan of the car or somewhere close to it, so that way we don't have to look it up each and every time. And that it make it easy to do. It's way more likely to get done. Another thing that you do want to do if you're going to change your own oil is go to a dealership and buy a bunch of oil filters for your car. And normally if you walk in there and say, look, I want to buy six oil filters for this car, they may cut you a little slack on the price. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe depends, not. But depends anyway, on what kind goes. of vehicle you got, yeah. but at least you have the correct filter. You got the correct filter. Also ask if there is a drain plug gasket because a lot of cars have a separate little gasket that goes on a drain plug. For instance, Toyotas, 
have a little fiber gasket that goes on that drain plug. Those you can actually use probably a couple of times. Uh-huh. If you care for you're torquing it, you can probably use them a couple of times and get by. Honda's using aluminum drain plug washer that actually is supposed to be replaced every single time. Right, because as you torque it down, it crushes, it crushes. down. And the next time, it's not going to crush down, so it gets re- replaced every single time. Well, and what happens worse than that is if you put it into the same torque and it's already crushed, it may leak. So inevitably what people do is they tighten it a little bit more. Well, you start pretty soon pulling the threads, threads. out of the oil pan. Right. And now you've taken a very small job and turned it into a huge job because now you need a new oil pan. I actually saw one, I think it was yesterday, that has a, looks like a boat plug. Use a rubber plug, you shove in the hole uh-huh. and, and tighten the nut yeah. up and it expands the rubber plug because yeah. the hole was stripped out. And those kind of might get you out of a bind sometimes but they're well, really not it, a permanent solution no they're not it, it's just good enough to get the oil back in it and get it to somebody that can fix it for right you. because if that plug happens to pop out or deteriorate and fall out you're gonna lose a motor oh yeah easily so you have to between don't, here and who knows where well, around around the block out. around the block would be long enough yeah to yeah. drain all the oil out and burn the motor up that's right it, once that plug comes out it's gonna drain the oil out of that engine it's not gonna last very long at all but that's just a few of the things that you can do and if you do it yourself, particularly a lot of folks I know that we know that comes to AGCO and does their own oil changes, they may own two or three of the same type of car. Correct. For instance, they may own two Toyota Camrys. Now, if that's the case, then it's very easy because you can buy one filter that's going to fit both cars. Uh-huh. And the same oil is going to go in both cars most of the time, depending on the year models. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, you can buy a whole case and usually use it within first two oil changes. Yeah, and Honda's another one. Mo- almost every Honda takes the same oil filter. Now, right. if you've got a General Motors car, unfortunately, GM's probably got 25 different oil filters to Well, the when, cars. They, when you put them on a shelf, they go out about six feet. Uh, yeah, and Ford is not much better. They use right. a whole lot of it. Chrysler's pretty good. They only got a handful of different oil filters. Toyota's got, what? They got four or five. Four or five, yeah. Yeah. If you got two of the same kind of cars, it just kind of makes life a whole lot simpler for you. Yes, it does. Hey, we got to take one more quick little break, and we'll be right back with more. Mike Rohn here with Baton Rouge's newest talk show, My Oh Mayan, dedicated to helping people who thought the world would end December 21st, 2012. Caller, you're on the air. Mike, I'm up the creek. So, what did you do? I maxed out all my credit cards, sold my stocks, my house, and my boat so I could travel the world before the world ended. Kept my 85 Mustang, though. Well, one thing I can recommend is to take your car in for regular maintenance at Agco Automotive. By taking care of your car, you'll save money in the long run by not having to pay for huge repairs. And with the money you save, you can pay down some of that debt. If you want to learn more about why AGCO is the place to go, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There's one other big problem. I sold all my vital organs on a website in Uzbekistan, and now someone named Aziz keeps showing up on my caller ID. Well, hmm. Lay low, brother. Lay low. Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. I've got 
Mr. Brian Terry, our lead tech from Agco, right here by my side. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. And we've got Bobby online. Good morning, Bobby. Just another quick question. Look, we've learned from you, like I said, the knuckleheads and me listening, <laughs> that don't trust your batteries. They don't go bad like they used to. You know, you used to get weak and you got some indication of warning. You don't get that anymore. Good point. So the Agco Automotive is 36 months. It's gone. That's right. Well, and, you know, there's really no sense in buying an eight-year battery or anything. Right. Because they're not any better. You're just paying for a warranty, which is no good anyway. So buy, I think five years is about cheap, the smallest one you can find. Get your five-year battery, three years, just get rid of it, get your new one. Yeah, like I said, those. I don't know if it's, you know, I don't know why. Maybe it's the shipping, but the batteries have sure have been going up. But maybe everything's going up. And Everything is. Yeah. And it's fixing to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you what. And the two two other questions, Lewis. So does the alternator and starter give you any indication like they used to? And the second thing is, are these winded cars? If you if you're looking to buy a used car. If you stick with 2006 or under, mm-hmm. you get away from some of these horrendous complications the engineers have put in. You like do. when the headlight goes out, everything, the engine's got to be changed. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah, 06 back was a whole lot more sane than mm-hmm. 07 up in my experience. Now, there are some post-07 models that are still okay. You just got to pick and choose a little bit more carefully. And as the technology starts filtering down, even to the lower price models, it just kind of gets worse and worse and worse. But you want a car that you can enjoy driving and all, but do you really need the in-dash navigation system and oh, the all one, this? The one that parks itself? Yeah. But yeah what do you really wrong. need that for? You know, they used to teach us that in driving school. <laughs> right. You, could, you, didn't, you couldn't parallel park, you didn't get a driver's well, license. And right. if you want you know? that, that's great, but just know that there's a cost for it, and there's going to be a big, big price when it breaks, and it's going to break, so... Yeah, and some of those things, you know, they give you a choice on some of that, like the in-dash navigation, mm-hmm. but a lot of it you don't. That's, That's right. right. You know, you get crazy things, and I've heard you guys talk about certain things when the dashboard does this, and you got to get it fixed or else it's going to be big problems later well, on. Well, that's right. And then another thing, they put these idiot lights, and they mm-hmm. say, well, if this light comes on, stop your car immediately, you're in imminent danger of yeah. death. Well, yeah. it comes on every now and then, and they try to check it. Well, we can't find anything. Yeah. Yeah, well, what is going on, you know? Well, and more and more they're tying things into the check engine light because they realize that the states have pretty much mandated that you have to have that fixed to get an inspection sticker, so they got more leverage over you. Okay. I had a Chevy truck come in the other day, and the all-pressure sender unit went bad, and that kicks check engine light on now. Not just the all-pressure light, it kicks check engine light. Uh-huh. And you got to take the intake manifold off to change it. Oh, Lord. So talking three hundred, a hundred dollar sensor and probably two hundred dollars worth of labor plus the gaskets, you know, three four hundred dollar deal for something that just to get an eighteen dollar inspection. Stand. <laughs> yeah. So, Good Lord. Yeah. So it's just more and more and more. Man, I just being an old dinosaur, I go back to that old six cylinder Chevy. You That's right. Have, you know. That's, That's right. right. Well, 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 eighteen bucks. You know. Yep. You change it right on top. Oh <laughs> man. Okay, right, you Bob. guys, take care. Now. Yes, sir. Have a merry Christmas, man. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive ride, we'd love to have you. And we've got Gene on the line. Good morning, Gene. Oh, good morning. Yes, ma'am. You're speaking about the very thing that I, a uh, problem I have. Okay. Uh, last year, I've been driving around now for a year with an en- check engine oil light on. Okay. But this happened immediately after I had my car serviced uh-huh. and repaired for the tune of $1,600, uh-huh. uh, getting the oil pan yes, uh, fixed somehow and some other work done. Okay. And when I drove off the lot, there it was, the light was on. Okay. Did you so turn around I, and go right back? No, I didn't because I couldn't. I had an appointment yeah, I had to get to. Well, shame on you. <laughs> well, yes. And, <laughs> you and know, otherwise, it's a shame on them, but if you neglected it for a year, the only yeah. thing you can do, Gene, is go back and try to explain now why you're coming back a year later, but... See, that could be something very, very simple. I mean, well, that could be I, like a wire disconnected. 
I mean, yeah. I wouldn't drive around with it for a year. Yeah, I called them, and they said, oh, well, that's, that's not a big deal. It's not dangerous. Uh-huh. Bring it in. But, but I didn't bring it in because yeah. every time I had gone there uh, for other things, I had to wait and wait and wait. Yeah. And they kept my car for several days to do this job yeah. because of some internal problem they were having. Well, I mean, yeah. things like that do happen. I'm not right. making excuses for them, but you're going to have to get it back in, let them look at it. And most of the time, it, it says like check engine all level. Mm-hmm. Probably a GM car of some sort. It is. It's, yeah. a, it's an Impala. Yeah, yeah, that's very common right. on that car. It's a sensor mm-hmm. in the pan, and those do go out an awful lot. And if they had the pan off, they may have bounced it around. It may have finished it off. Possibly the wire is not connected tight as it should be. Mm-hmm. They're kind of bad about going out. It, it does fail a lot. It is a fairly minor thing to fix. It's just so unscrewing it, one put another one back in. You'd say it's not going to cost me uh, 500 No, I want to say, and, and Gene, I'm just kind of guessing here, but I want to say it's a $30, $40 part and probably 15, 20 minutes to change it. And particularly if you do it around the same time as you need an oil change mm-hmm. because they're going to have to drain the oil when they do it. Now, so, this is a dealership. Should I expect them to be able to do it or should I just take it to any place? Or Well, anybody could do it, but again, if there's a chance that it's related to the work you had done before, yeah, you may be able to get it done at no cost. Well, you know? I'm hoping that'll be the case. Well, I would just go back and say, you know, guys, I know I should have come back before now, but it just, man, I, I didn't, and time got away from me, but this has been doing this ever since. And, I mean, if it's something that they did, most shops are actually pretty honest, and if it, they look in there and they see a wire disconnected or something not hooked up right, they're going to own up to it because they want you to be happy and they want you to come back and spend more money later. You know, just just common <laughs> business sense. Yeah, they do and, need to keep me happy. <laughs> well, there you go. And, you know, most shops are going to try their best to keep you happy. So I would just go back and explain the situation. And, you know, I wouldn't get mad at them and say, well, it's just been too long because technically it has. You know, there is a limit to how long they have to make something right. but And it could be something that's not related. It may be just a sense of went bad because they do, but I don't think it's going to be a big deal any way it goes. Okay. It's a fairly simple fix. Okay. All well, righty. thank you for right, encouraging Jane. me. Yes, right. ma'am. Thank you. Thank you, Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526, number. If you want to report on the automotive hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Randy on the line. Good morning, Randy. Hey, guys. How are y'all? Doing great, sir. Good morning. I've got an F-150 truck, and on the back of it, the tires are getting a little worn. Front tires are still pretty good. Okay. I bought them all at the same time. Uh-huh. The question is, the age question, if I replace two of the tires, uh-huh. do I put the good ones on the front, or do I put the good ones on the back? The new ones go on the back. Okay. That's what I've always heard, because you have control of the front. That is Correct. exactly right. And Even with a blown out tire. The only time we will ever put new tires on the front and that is if let's say we've got two tires that are worn completely out and we rotate the back to the front to put the new ones on the back and the car starts to pull one way or the other because of a tire pull and the customer doesn't want to buy tires right now they only want to buy two and not four that way you have to explain to them this is not the way to do it but reality being reality he just doesn't have the money for four tires and those other tires will work on the back so occasionally you do that, but you got to advise the customer that's not the proper way to do it. They do not have the same control of the vehicle with the new tires on the front as they do with the new tires on the back. Now, with all that being said, you actually need to check the date, the production date on the tires right. that you're taking off and the tires that you're not taking off. Right. Make because, sure they're not old. Right. Make sure they're not over about six years old. Oh, no. No, these are only about two years old. Yeah. Okay. 
I would probably just yeah. leave those on the front, put two new ones on the back, and you should be just fine. Especially if you're not having any trouble right now. Yeah, if it's driving it's straight driving and everything. driving straight and everything, mm-hmm. no shake or anything in it. Take no, your, it's doing perfect. Good. Yeah, no, you're, way, your, you're way better right. off with the new tires on the rear. Right. Great. I just want to bet with my brother. Thank you so much. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Thank Randy. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. 499-9526. A number of you on part of the automotive. Right, we still got a few minutes. Give us a call and try to get you some information. That is one of those things that kind of flies in the face of the urban legend that you always put your new tires on the front. Right. And I know when well, I was a very, very young mechanic, that was what we used to do. Well, and it, until it, the other information came out, and then we thought about it, and said, "No, this is wrong." <laughs> yeah. It always made it easier for the technician doing alignment because he always had two brand new good tires on the front to line it up to with. line the vehicle up with. And it takes a little longer now. If, like you say, if you run into a tire issue, then you have to stop, rotate till you get two good tires, right? Then do the alignment because no adjustment you're going to make to the front end is going to overcome a tire pull or, or a worn tire or a bad or a mismatched tire, tire right. or any of those sorts of things. Correct. And, Tires can really cause a lot of issues. In fact, there is an article on the website all about tire conicity, and uh-huh. that's a name that a lot of people maybe have never heard. And conicity is the way that a tire causes a vehicle to pull one way or the other, either right or left. And if you got a tire with a conicity problem, there's no way you're going to fix that with an alignment. Correct, because there's no adjustment you can make. And even nowadays, vehicles are coming with even less adjustments to be able to be made vehicles come in the alignment is so skewed to one side that with two new tires it's taken off the other way yeah and all that has to be recorrected with two good tires and you know you shouldn't really try to adjust for a tire pull because that's a separate issue and normally whatever is making the tire pull will inevitably make it fail correct so the proper thing if you got a tire pull is to replace the tire or tires tires matching set I have always preferred to put four new tires on my car at one time. I never liked the idea of putting two, but again, that being said, reality being reality, not everyone can afford to plank down the money for four new tires. At one time, that but is correct. Particularly some of the new tires that oh, cost three, $400 a piece. So, <laughs> hey, you want to tell everybody how much we enjoyed them this year listening to the Automotive Hour? And want to thank all our listeners on podcast And, and Stitcher and iHeart. iHeart. Go on to iTunes, give us a written rating. We really appreciate that and gets us moved up in the list. That's right. We appreciate you doing that. And preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great new year and a Merry Christmas.